Welcome to On the Beat, the weekly podcast for LawOfficer.com. My name is Travis Yates. I'm the editor-in-chief of LawOfficer.com, and we have an incredible guest that we're going to be talking to today, so you want to stay tuned to that. But before we get to that, we want to thank our sponsor of today's podcast, which is Blue Armor Supplements. Blue Armor Supplements is the only supplement company made for law enforcement by law enforcement. They put their ingredients in with GMP manufacturing processes, which means you what is in the bottle is what you get. We're high on it. We're appreciative of it. And you can check them out at bluearmor.com. Today's guest is police officer Bobby Johnson. He is a retired Oklahoma officer after 20 years, and he left Oklahoma to become a police officer in Colorado for a very unique reason that you're going to find out about in just a second. He was an FTO, field trained officer, for 15 years. He was a past recruiter, worked footbeat, community policing, and is a patrol officer at heart. Bobby Johnson, we can't thank you enough for being on the show today. How are you doing, sir? Good, sir. Good afternoon. Well, Bobby, I read you've got over 20 years in law enforcement. You're now, I believe, at your third agency. You did two agencies here in Oklahoma. You retired with the pension in Oklahoma, and you ended up in Colorado. We're going to get to that in a minute on why you're there in the mountains in Colorado. We're, we're totally jealous of that. But before we start with that, I just kind of wanted to, uh, you know, get your thoughts on what made you decide to go into law enforcement a couple of decades ago. Well, when I was going to college in Oklahoma, I had a very good friend that became a police officer and actually did a number of ride-alongs with him, uh, which actually sparked my interest that uh, made me continue down that track and work for two agencies in Oklahoma. So, honestly, it was a, it was a ride-along experience. Well, that's, that's pretty impressive, and there's a lot of detractors in law enforcement today, and it is odd to me that it's hard to get them to go on a ride-along because they may actually get educated on what's going on. Uh, did you did you enjoy taking ride-alongs during your career as a law enforcement officer? Oh, absolutely. I always enjoy riding with different agencies. Uh, some of the time when I did, you know, when I recruited, talk to other agencies and just see how, how different agencies run, whether it be a sheriff's office or a police department or even a federal or state agency it's always interesting to see the the dynamic and how how they're different from what i what i know now bobby you worked the streets for most of your career and i got to tell you that's that's sort of like a dinosaur and not a lot of people are able to do that so obviously in your makeup in your dna at heart you're just a street cop and i kind of wanted to talk to you about that on you know, we see a lot of perceptions from the media and what people are saying about law enforcement, but you were on the streets every day for almost 20 years. You're still on the streets, as a matter of fact, just in a different agency. And I just sure. kind of want to get your feedback on what you see from the community based on what the perception is from the news media. Well, I, I've always enjoyed law enforcement. I've always enjoyed the uniform patrol part of it, to be honest with you. It's, uh, you know, I like having the mobile office. I like being able to go to work every day and having something new different, exciting, you know, horrifying, maybe even happen. And it's, it's just always been a passion of mine. I still enjoy it over, you know, 21 years later, actually still enjoy the uniform patrol part of policing. Um, as far as, as far as how the, uh, law enforcement's changed, it, it's definitely changed. And, the uh, media, I would say, is definitely, you know, not supportive and even, a, you know, against us in a lot of regards. Um, just just very, very 
unnerving and unhappy about that, to, to be honest with you. It's, it's really changed in my 20 years. So, Bobby, I want to take you back. You're here at a police, police department here in Oklahoma. Uh, you're well on your way to your 20-year pension. Of course, the pension gets better even after that. And right before that 20 years, mm-hmm. uh, actually, I think several years before that, you discovered uh, that your daughter had epilepsy. And I just kind of want to take you back to when you found that diagnosis and when that doctor told you that. Just kind of tell us what your thoughts were and then kind of let us know, you know what your family sort of went through as that diagnosis happened. Um, my daughter was uh, started having seizures in December of 2010. Uh, just like any younger parents with, with small children, uh, we once we'd had our first seizure, we went to the doctor and kind of talked talked it out. And there are seizures called febrile seizures, which are not uncommon and can happen in young children that aren't necessarily doesn't necessarily get you to a, a diagnosis of epilepsy. It's just one of those things that can happen to young children, never happen again. So that's what our initial encounter with it was. May happen again, may not happen again. Uh, so actually we left the doctor uh, that day and just thought maybe it was a febrile-related seizure. Uh, actually went home that night and actually had another seizure. So we knew there was something, you know, more significant, and we kept following up with our our uh, pediatrician, and ended up eventually going to a specialist uh, pediatric neurologist in Oklahoma, and started to go through the uh, diagnosis process to see if it actually was epilepsy or some other issue. And of course, you find out eventually it is epilepsy, and and I, just for our audience. I, th- I don't think a lot of people know a lot about epilepsy. Just tell us how serious that can be and the thoughts of a parent finding out that your young child has that. Um, there are many different types of epilepsy, and I'm not going to claim that, that I know all of them. Uh, kind of when you and I probably grew up, I knew that there was petite mal epilepsy and, or seizures and grand mal seizures. Petite mal is a little bad. Grandma's big bad. So that was that was my knowledge, you know, growing up and obviously up until the last 11 plus years. So uh, with that said, it was it was quite a shock to find out, you know, that that she did actually have epilepsy. Uh, in, 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 and to to put it in perspective, when it when it talks about uh, epilepsy or seizure related deaths. Uh, somewhere in the neighborhood in the United States around 50,000 a year. As far as comparable, and you know, not to compare diseases, but breast cancer, for example, you're, you're talking right in the neighborhood of 40, 45,000 a year. So that kind of gives you an idea of how serious that is. Um, well, go ahead. Well, that's unbelievable because obviously the politics behind breast cancer, it's a serious, serious disease. Everyone is aware the dangers of breast cancer, but I don't think, I know I didn't know that epilepsy killed more people than breast cancer did, and there's really a kind of a lack of education uh, on this issue, uh, is there not? Yeah, there is, absolutely right, and, unless you're affected. You know, there, there are a lot of things, diseases and conditions, that unless you were a loved one or affected by, that you might, you know, I want to say be oblivious to, but just not understand or realize the significance of. 
So let me move you down the road here. You're, you've gone to a doctor, you've, your daughter's been diagnosed, and you start, I would assume, with the typical medical practices of epilepsy, whether it's the drugs uh, from pharmaceutical companies, uh, prescriptions, and kind of tell us the frustration you have with that. Because if people are listening right now, uh, what we're getting to is you're in Colorado for a, an important reason. It's because marijuana is legal. And we're going to, I kind of wanted to send the journey that you didn't just immediately run to Colorado. You literally tried uh, to, to help your daughter with what doctors and medical professionals try to help epilepsy with. But the fact is, like you know, but our audience may not know, about 20% of people with epilepsy, drugs do not work. And that's kind of where you right. found your, uh, it's kind of where you found your place with your daughter. And of course, your daughter's very young. Uh, she's five, six years old at this time, correct? That's, it. That's right. And so tell us the frustration as you were giving her drugs, and it just doesn't seem to be working, kind of what you and your wife yeah. are going through. Yeah, and you're, and you're absolutely right, Travis, exactly what I was getting ready to say. 75 to 80 percent of epilepsy is controlled through pharmaceutical medication, you know, traditional Western medicine, if you will. And if you're not one of those three or four or four out of five lucky people that are actually controlled through pharma, you are basically diagnosed with what they call intractable focal epilepsy, in our case. Intractable just meaning not med-controlled. So at that point, what we did actually was start several different medications, um, which are in the neighborhood of anti-epileptics, anti-convulsants, and can include also benzodiazepines as uh, treatment options. In our particular case, we went through approximately eight different pharmaceutical medications that provided no seizure relief. Um, actually had one, believe it or not, that actually caused hundreds of seizures for my daughter in, in actually about a 10-day period. And that was, it, it, it's, it's one of those things, I don't, I don't like to, to ridicule it because it is, it is medicine and it is a practice, but when it comes to this type of treatment with epilepsy, what happens is the doctor, for example, gives you the most likely drug that's going to help with the seizures, which in our case was called Keppra. Um, that controls a lot of seizures for a lot of people throughout the country and throughout the world that just did not work for us. So you find yourself at that in kind point, of, you, you find yourself in kind of a unique spot, Bobby. You uh, you've gone through these medications, nothing's working. You're a police officer. You've arrested many people for marijuana. You've arrested people for trafficking marijuana. And I kind of want to yeah, talk absolutely. about your the day you the day you decided that you were going to uh, attempt an alternative drugs or alternative you know uh, solutions for what had to be an agonizing time for you and your family that you couldn't get these seizures under control. Yes. Um, what what we did was our our pediatric neurologist in Oklahoma actually referred us to a specialty hospital in the state of Texas. Um, we went and did what's called a phase one workup at that hospital um, where they have, you know, there's one of, uh, one doctor that we dealt with in Oklahoma, there's seven of them, and this is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area at that location, plus all the supporting cast that goes along with that. So we did what's, what's called a phase one workup which is basically a week of testing to determine what type of epilepsy and the severity of it. If it's uh, possibly a tumor, if it's a brain malformation, 
we had, just to go through a quick list, we had an MRI, functional MRI. We had a spec scan. We had an ICFL scan. We had a MAG scan. We had 24-7 uh, EEG, which are the, the leads they attach to the head, uh, glue to the head, actually. We had neuropsych testing, and that was uh, actually first done in February of 2011, I believe, and we have had one since that time, but that was a week-long uh, testing. And, and basically what we discovered was that, you know, my daughter does not have a tumor, which, which amazingly enough, if you think about it, actually would be a good thing being that they could actually point to a location and a problem and potentially remove that tumor, you know, it's amazing to think that would be a good thing in our case. But uh, then also we, we didn't have any malformation of the brain, which could also be a possibility. But, but where my daughter's seizures originate are actually, if you think about the left and right hemisphere of the brain, you have also the corpus callosum, which is the bridge between the two hemispheres. My daughter's seizures originate on the right side in between those two hemispheres, and then if you were to go back into the right side, uh, the right brain area, that's where they originate. So at that point, after we're not having any luck with medications, then the next step is to see if she's a surgery candidate. And that's actually you know, what we did during that phase one workup. And they actually uh, came back to us, and they have a panel that they go through when they when they get all these results that I just described, all the different tests that were done. And what they do is determine whether they think she's a surgical candidate. And at that time, with that information, actually ruled against doing any type of surgery because where her seizures originate are actually near some fine motor skills or, or gross motor skills, I guess. I, I hope I'm using the right terminology. It could affect, you know, her walking and actually could affect her speech. So it would be more or less a game time decision on whether they could actually remove that portion of the brain. And it was within one to two millimeters in our case of they could get to that point of the surgery and not be able to complete the surgery and just have to stop. So that was, that was our reality at that time. So um, with that said, we came back from Dallas-Fort Worth area and kind of regrouped kind of, you know, again, we're still trying medications, different medicines and different combinations of, of pharma. So we keep going down that road um, sometime later. Actually, what, what changed, what, you know, changed our world leads me to where I am now, which is in Colorado. Actually, it was a CNN special uh, with Dr. Sanjay Gupta, which is a neurologist. He's a practicing surgeon. He did a documentary uh, August of 2013, which was called Weed One, actually that led us down the road to where we have gotten to today. So you watch this documentary, Bobby. You've hit dead ends everywhere. Uh, you have this young daughter that continues to have seizures. I mean, I can't even imagine the fear as a parent of what you're going through. And you see this documentary, and where did you go from there? Um. Like I said, we we saw that documentary actually in August. I saw it originally. I happened to DVR it, spoke to my wife, and said, you've got to watch this. And, and I just was, I wouldn't say disbelief, just kind of, it's like, wow, this, this may be an option. This may be something we actually investigate. And no doctors um, anywhere had told you about medical marijuana? 
No, absolutely not. Especially being in a such a such a conservative state like Oklahoma, it it just wasn't anything that had crossed our radar at that point at all. Um, what what we did then that was in August. So just shortly after that, there was actually also if you're familiar with TED Talks or TEDx talks that uh, occur throughout the country, we we actually saw a TED Talk that was in Boulder, Colorado, um, with a guy by the name of Josh Stanley, which happens to be uh, one of the brothers that's responsible for uh, producing the medication that we take here in Colorado, which is called Charlotte's Web. So we saw those things, you know, more or less back-to-back somewhat. And then Will started spinning as far as what me and my wife were trying to figure out. You know, Colorado's connected to Oklahoma. We're we're not too far away. Let's investigate this further and see if we can meet some people, maybe see some doctors, and and start to start to research it, and uh, maybe actually have some uh, some medical opinions that are in Colorado. Well, Bobby, I'm amazed because as you've been talking, and if you're just tuning in, you're listening to On the Beat. We're talking to Officer Bobby Johnson, who was a 20-year veteran of Oklahoma law enforcement and moved to Colorado to help his daughter who was having epileptic seizures with medical marijuana. He's a law enforcement officer in the state of Colorado as we speak. And, Bobby, what amazes me as you talk is you literally have language like a doctor and lingo. You have obviously educated yourself at a very high level. And all of these doctors, these the smartest men and women on the planet, you're going all over the country talking to them, and not one of them discusses Charlotte's Web with you. You have to actually educate yourself with a couple of documentaries and a TEDx talk to go, well, could this be possible? And so you just, you just ought as a leap of faith, I guess, started investigating this drug in Colorado, correct? Yeah, absolutely correct. We, we traveled to Colorado uh, in November of 2013, uh, had, a, had a couple of, of doctor's visits. And at the time, for, for, uh, to get what they call a red card, in the state of Colorado for medical marijuana, a pediatric patient had to have two different physicians recommend that this be an option. It's not a prescription. It's just saying Charlotte's Web or some other uh, cannabis-related product may help with certain seizures or certain types of seizures. And just like any other med or treatment, it's, it's not 100% effective for everybody. It's not a cure-all. It's not a miracle drug for everyone. But we have seen, you know, different levels of success with it. And, the, and I've met over 100, probably approaching 200 families that have relocated to Colorado specifically for Charlotte's Web and some other variations of, of the cannabis, of medical cannabis, for their children's epilepsy. Um, different ages, completely different diagnoses, uh, within the epilepsy spectrum, and again, I've I've seen a lot of success with it. Um, we've had a lot of success with it. We actually are are not actually on any pharmaceutical drugs, only on Charlotte's Web, and that is that is kind of our world now. But it took quite a ways, quite a, quite a bit of time to get into that. Uh, after our after our initial uh, trip in November, of course, I'm I'm a couple of years from my 20 year pension, of course, in the state of Oklahoma, so 
I'm sitting there trying to figure out how, how we can do this. Well, let me take you back, you know, Bobby. I, let me take you back. You're traveling the country. You're searching for a, uh, a cure for your daughter or, or a drug to help your daughter. I mean, as any father or parent, you would go to the ends of the earth to help your kids. And here you are doing this. I'm sure your Oklahoma insurance wasn't ecstatic about you being in Colorado looking for alternative methods to cure your daughter. Uh, just tell me a little bit, how was it the, the department you were working at? How did they take this? Some of them obviously knew what you were doing. Marijuana is illegal in Oklahoma and many states. Uh, did you have support at your agency, not only for what you were trying to do, but for you having to be gone to do so much of this? Yeah, we, we initially obviously kept it really quiet as far as just within the family, as far as what we were doing traveling. We, part of the time we, we were going on vacation, we would go to Colorado. So not, not a big stretch, but obviously we are going for a different reason. This time, not, not specifically to go into the mountains for recreation or, or leisure. Um, so, so what we have done, kept it real quiet for that period of time, just trying to figure out, you know, if we can do this, how we can do this logistically, because transporting, you know, marijuana across state lines is actually a federal, uh, against federal law, which is a very serious thing, especially in my profession. Obviously, I, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Um, started, started to, uh, again, head down that road to if I could retire, when I could retire, how could I get out there, could I relocate, am I walking away, you know, if I'm under 20 years in the pension, then obviously I'd be walking away from, from a, a pretty significant amount of money. So what I did was when I started talking to coworkers, you know, whether it be supervisors or just, just other police officers, um, started to talk about kind of the road that we were taking and a lot of disbelief, um, you know, a lot of very, very negative when it comes to stereotypes about medical, about marijuana in general. But, but I tell you what, through, through that period of time and education that I was going through, what I did is I relayed that to, to the people I worked with, um, up to and including, you know, supervisors, you know, as to, <laughs> as to why I was taking so much time off. And incredible, incredible support, uh, a lot, a lot of, uh, I guess understanding in that case, uh, just kind of been it's been a really good experience, I guess. Other than having to to leave that job, you know, at 20 years as opposed to what I had considered 25 or 30 year career. Well, Bobby, I know I know this is I know this happened because we talked before the show about this, but I want you to talk about the moment you you were resolute without a doubt. You were moving your daughter to Colorado, and I believe you told me it was when she was having seizures that was literally paralyzing her temporarily. You made the decision, that's it. I'm not playing around anymore. I will do whatever it takes to help my daughter. Kind of talk to our audience about that belief. Yeah, and, and, and along those t that timeline, um, that was actually November of 2013, uh, right in the middle of what I'm talking about in relation to how can we do it, can we do it, you know, are we going to be bringing it back? Are we going to move out there temporarily to see if it works? You know, how are we exactly going to do this? But And what happened in November 2013, actually, is we were in Colorado uh, on pharmaceutical medications, obviously still, but going to see doctors and trying to get educated. 
my daughter went through uh, approximately two week period where she actually stopped walking. She lost the ability to walk, which if you were to see my daughter, you know, any other time besides that period of time, unless she has a seizure in front of you, she has no other conditions or anything that would outwardly show that she's epileptic. You know, she's she's a normal kid. She, you know, she plays on the uh, playground. You know, she rides a bike. She does all the things a kid her age would do. And unless she had a seizure in front of you, you wouldn't know that she was epileptic. But she actually got into a period of time where she lost the ability to walk, which was, like I said, around two weeks. Um, we, we literally had to carry her from the bed to the bathroom, from the bathroom to the living room to sit on the couch to watch TV um, and, and, you know, just continually do those things. Um, obviously, we, were, we, we always had to watch her when, she, when she's in the bathtub. So that wasn't, you know, that was always one of those things we had to do because if she has a seizure. Um, obviously, she's older now and is able to take showers, so that's a little bit safer situation. But when she was that young, that was kind of what we did. So um, at that point is when that, that turned the tables on us as far as it's not a matter of uh, if, it's a matter of how soon can we do this, how soon can we get to Colorado and try this medication. And so that was November. Um, actually, right after that, we went back to the, the specialty hospital in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area and told the doctor, the, the neurosurgeon, uh, what exactly had happened. And, and she had recovered a little bit to that degree. She, st she still had some problems walking, like, you know, what we call, you know, uh, her gait or her walk was still a little bit off, but she did get some of that function back to where she could kind of walk. And our, you know, our specialist, our, our neurologist in Texas was absolutely stunned because she had had no other uh, physical, I guess, no other physical issues as far as her, you know, and normal physical, you know, where you check the reflexes, you check the strength. You know, is the right arm as strong as the left arm or the right leg as, long as, as, as strong as the left leg, things like that. So when he saw her in that condition, he was absolutely stunned and actually started to talk about surgery um, being more, more pressing because it was, a, it was a quality of life issue at that point. And so what we had done then is we were, we were very honest with him. We, we thought he was going to... Uh, give us third degree, but we actually at that time said, you know, we're actually considering going to Colorado to try this treatment. It's called Charlotte's Web, and you know, waiting, waiting for the third degree. And actually, what happened was uh, he was he was very understanding, and it was just it was just one of those things. You know, we couldn't. We couldn't do that in Texas. We couldn't. We couldn't do Charlotte's Web in Texas. We couldn't do Charlotte's Web in Oklahoma and tons of other states at that time, especially. So, he said, you know, I can't. I can't recommend it. I can't suggest it, but I would like to follow your progress. So, you know, he was he was open to to see what happened, and he and he knew other kids and other parents that had went to Colorado or or trying again Charlotte's Web or another form of. of cannabis for, for epilepsy. So that's kind of how we got there. That was that was late November, December 2013. 
we had actually rented a condo, a uh, very small condo in a city in Colorado, and uh, did a one-month lease. You know, I was still working in Oklahoma at the time, but sent my uh, my my wife and and my two daughters to to live in Colorado for yeah. a month, see now, what happens. So you, you tried it out for a month there in Colorado. Did you see immediate immediate difference? We we saw a pretty good change in her at that time, and and you have to understand uh, when it does come to the the pharmaceutical side excuse me, this, the pharmaceutical drugs that we were on, we were still on, I think at that time, two different uh, anti-epileptic drugs. So you have to weigh, uh, you have to weigh the, okay, we're starting Charlotte's Web, and when it comes to anti-epileptic drugs, you cannot go cold turkey. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's something that you have to be actually in a hospital environment if they were to take you off cold turkey. So what we had to do at that point was to wean off those anti-epileptic drugs while we're introducing the Charlotte's Web, and that's that's exactly what we did. But you, again, we were only on two pharmaceutical drugs at one time. We were usually on one, but sometimes we were on two. So to wean off of those drugs, Travis, you're talking January of 2014, and I hope I'm not overloading you on the dates. January of 2014. By weaning off those drugs the way we did, two pharmaceutical drugs took us through until June of 2014, so six-month period roughly, to get off of those other two drugs because you don't know, you know, exactly how much you know one medication may be helping or hurting. So that's what we had to do. We weaned off one, then weaned off the second drug, and then at that point we're only on uh, Charlotte's Web. Well, I think the dates are important, Bobby, because it shows just the, the importance of you as a father of what has occurred. These are huge milestones in your life and your wife's life and your child's life. And so she, she gets on Charlotte's Web. Just tell our audience, how is Charlotte's Web taken? I'm assuming your six-year-old's not smoking a joint. I mean, it's taken in a different way, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely correct. A lot of people are familiar <laughs> with only the smoking part. Right. Um, what what we did was uh, the way the way that that's manufactured is actually – it uh, is pressed. It's a concentrate pressed into an. It's made into an oil, and the delivery at that point was either uh, coconut oil or olive oil. It's a fat soluble. Uh, you eat it with a fatty food for delivery, and it's actually ingested. We would have a small uh, dosing uh, syringe, an oral syringe, not a needle, an oral syringe, and you would give her. Uh, or we would give it to her actually with a scoop of applesauce. We would inject the oral syringe into the applesauce and give her a scoop of applesauce, and that's how she, that's how she ingested it. So that's how it was delivered. So here we are, coming up almost three years later, I believe. How's your daughter doing? How's your family doing? You are now relocated there. Uh, just kind of give us an update. Um. To bring you up to date, we, we have been up here for, I've been up here for close to a year after I, I retired uh, working with a new agency. Uh, obviously, my, my wife and, and my two daughters have been up here much longer because they, you know, like I said, relocated in January of 2014. So actually, I was traveling uh, monthly uh, during that two-plus-year period 
Um, today we are we are doing pretty well. Uh, starting over in a career is not easy, especially in, in in our career. That's not something that you can jump agencies just really easy. You know, it's not like a a normal a teacher or an accountant or someone who you know. So you're, you're the new rookie it's now. A little bit trickier. You're the new I, rookie. Yeah, I have, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I am the I am the rookie with twenty you know twenty one years on. Um, but but actually to to fast forward, uh, things are going well. You know, we're absolutely loving obviously the state of Colorado. It's, it's you know it's a, it's a vacation destination, and to be able to live here has been incredible. But you know, with that, you also have to realize, you know, what we left back in Oklahoma, which is, you know, family and friends and that support group that is just one of those things that, you know, if you move across the country, you know, which we did, you know, roughly, you know, seven, eight hundred miles and just kind of start over with no support system whatsoever. And imagine Imagine that with a with a child that has you know epilepsy or, or some other uh, some other issue medical issue. It's 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 been tough. Well, I can speak for our audience and law enforcement in general. I think what you've done is heroic. Uh, I think that a lesser of a man probably would have stayed in Oklahoma and probably committed a crime uh, to help their kids. And by the way, I wouldn't look down upon that either. I'd do anything for my kids, and that's absolutely anything to protect my children as any father should, uh, but I think it's admirable that you did what you did to avoid violating any laws and to do what you did uh, for your family. And uh, I, I can't imagine it's probably been tough. Has your new agency been, obviously your new agency is probably aware of why you've moved there. They're going to ask, why are you leaving? You know, at 20 years, as our audience may not know, in most states, that's the beginning of your pension. As you work past 20 years, you start getting more money for the pension. So you left at the minimum bottom end of a pension to move to Colorado. So I'm sure your agency had questions on why that is, and you told them. How did they take that? Yeah, they did, absolutely. And uh, actually, it's it's been kind of an ongoing, not a joke, but just a funny thing when people ask, you know, with, with my law enforcement experience, why am I up and moving, you know, to another state, uh, when I'm at that point, because obviously I could make much more money, and you know, and, and Oklahoma is a much more affordable state to live in, quite honestly, uh, in most places than it is in Colorado. So it's more expensive here. So what what's happened was, you know, everybody that asked me why I relocated, and I and I actually tell them marijuana, and you know, they kind of laugh and they're not sure kind of how to respond, but but that is what brought us to to Colorado. Um, our, the agency I work for has been been very understanding and understands uh, exactly what it is we're doing and how we're doing it. And you know, again, that we're not, you know, uh, lighting a bong up or you know, or vaping or doing any of that stuff. You know, rolling a joint. Uh, so so they're very very understanding and and much more uh, accommodating uh, because of that. They just they understand that it it is a uh, it is a drug. There's there's no question it's a drug, and it's actually a Schedule One drug, which you can get into if you want to here in a little bit. Um, shouldn't be, but is. So that's one of those concerns that obviously my agency did have when they were looking at hiring me. So, um, but but overall, once once you once you hear the story, just like I've talked to you about before, you know it's it's a no-brainer. It's it's a very simple decision. 
uh, in our case. It, you know, it's, it's just very simple. Well, I want to talk about your career a little bit, Bobby. It's an incredible story. We can't thank you enough for telling it, and we could just speak hours on this issue. I'm sure our audience is going to have lots of questions, and we'll be happy to forward those to you. There's probably other police officers that's been placed in your same position. Have you met any of them along your journey? I, I actually I haven't met any of them. I've met some family members, you know, uh, you know, of you know a wife or or, or husband or the child, you know, at an event or something here in uh, Colorado. But uh, I do know there are several, and actually, um, I know I know of one that's relocated actually, uh, and works in law enforcement also in the state of Colorado, but uh, but not personally met anyone. Um, since I've been here as far as other law enforcement officer. Well, I know the department you're working in now is more of a department, a smaller department than you were used to, kind of a more of a touristy in the mountains type department. And you, you came from here in Oklahoma, a major metropolitan police department. So sort of tell us as a police officer how that adjustment, how you've done with that adjustment going from one department that's really in a major city to kind of a smaller department kind of in the mountains where, uh, how's that policing been different for you? Travis, I'm I'm still adjusting. I'm coming up on around one year of service here in Colorado. Uh, come from a very very large police department in Oklahoma, going to a very small police department. Um, you know, policing's the same. It just happens at a different uh, rate here, definitely. So, um, not you know not as many what we would call you what you and I would call priority one and two calls, hot calls for service. We're not running around with our hair on fire like 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 you and I were. Um, so that that's been a, a big adjustment, and that was actually one of the one of the questions I was asked when I was interviewed. You know, coming from where I come from, where calls are holding for service continually. You know, whether it be day shift, evening shift, or graveyard shift, to a place that you only get a handful of calls a day. So it, so honestly, it's been, been a really big adjustment for me, and, and I'm, I'm handling it pretty well and, and have more free time. Um, but, you know, policing is still policing. It just comes at a, at a much different pace. Well, Bobby Johnson, on behalf of our audience and LawOfficer.com, we can't thank you enough for your story. We can't thank you enough for what you've done for your family. Other parents, other police officers should take notice uh, that when it comes to our kids, we should do whatever it takes to – keep our kids healthy, and uh, and to protect them, and we can't thank you enough. You've been listening to On the Beat, the weekly podcast for LawOfficer.com. We thank you for joining us, and Bobby Johnson, we thank you, sir, for telling your story. Very welcome, Travis. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to On the Beat. My name is Travis Yates, the editor-in-chief of LawOfficer.com. Join us next week. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to On The Beat. Join us daily at LawOfficer.com for the latest in news and original content. For law enforcement, by law enforcement.